Today's daf is Dachmem Aleph in Sota. As we learn for a full Shlema, for a Lazar ben Reuma, for Yosef Ezreal ben Chaimichal, who were severely injured two years ago in the tragedy in the Rome. 45 people were killed, and these two are still suffering with terrible head injuries. May they have a full Shlema. Says the Mishnah, Parshas HaMelech Ketzad. We call this hakel. The apostle gives hakel. What does that mean? That the king gathers together the people, all the people that come to Jerusalem, and when they do this, we'll see. And he reads for them from the Sefer Dvarim. Parshas Melchizedek said, shel chag." The end of the first day of Sukkot. That's chag. And Matzayanta Bishmini and the eighth. And what do you mean the eighth? It sounds like the eighth day of the Sukkot. We just said the first Yantav Rishon. So we'll see it means really the eighth year, at after Shemitah. In other words, Shemitah is every seven years. After the Shemitah year, in the eighth year, beginning of the eighth year, not at Rosh Hashanah, but Matzah Yantav of Sukkah, of the first day of Sukkah, they construct a large platform of made out of wood, the Azara, in the Azara. We'll see that they didn't do this if it came out on Shabbos, only if it came out middle of the week. Because they couldn't construct the um, the uh, the bima on Shabbos, and to do it the day before, there's not enough room in the base in the azara. So they only did it like a temporarily when they when they did hakel. and they constructed this uh, this platform, and the king sat there. That's the pasuk says in Dvarim, in because at the end of seven years, b'moed in the yantiv. We'll see the 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 pasuk goes on to detail. Matsoi uh, Shviyas, it's at the end of Shemitah, and it says, it says all these words. Why does it, it seems a little verbose? The Gemara will explain. What did they do? Chazan Knesset again. The Shamas would take the Sefer Tundot, the Sefer Tundot, like we saw by the by the coin guttle, on Yom Kippur. The, the, uh, the, the Shamas takes the Sefer Tundot, the Rosh Knesset, he gives it to the Gabai. Rosh Knesset, the Skan, he gives it to the Skan, the Skan, the coin guttle. That's what we all, all that was the same we had on Yom Kippur. But now the coin God knows the Lamelch, he gives it to the king. Lamelch Omed stands in Makabal and he receives the Sefer Torah. But Koryoshe, but when he reads it, he could sit down because the regular king was from Malchus based of it and he's allowed to sit in the Azara. We'll see what happened exactly if this was in the Azara or in the Ezra's Nashim. I agree with Lamelch when he was the king, he was from the Malchai um, Chashmanon, wasn't from the, uh, from the Davidic. Dynasty, and in fact, he was uh, known to be from Hurdus. Hurdus, he was his ancestor, even though he had a Jewish mother. But his uh, ancestry was of Hurdus. So he was really an Eved. Ahmad the Kibel, he stood up, and when he was the king, he he stood and received to accept the Torah. But Karaome, as opposed to reading it sitting down, he stood. He read standing up. and and the Chachamim praised him for this. We'll see. That the Chacham were fault for phrase praising him. When he came to the parsha, and as we'll see, they they read throughout the different portions in Sefer Dvarim, which is Mishnah Torah. Mishnah They only read from Dvarim, which is called Mishnah Torah. When he came to the section in Shofar where it says, "You can't put a don't make yourself a king," who's a foreigner, right? Zogren of Mos. His eyes flowed with tears because he realized, well, he is an Ishnachri, right? So he said, really, he's, uh, 
he's he's not a proper king. Omrlo Altasher, because they said, I agree with us, don't be afraid. you are a brother. Right? You are a brother, no worries. You're our brother. And that was considered flattery, as we'll see. The Koray, what does he read? Mechila, Eisel, he calls from the beginning, beginning of Eil Dvarm, that means from the uh, Book of Dvarm, Mishat Torah, Ad Shema, until Kriya Shema, Vishma, Shema Vayim Shemoa. And then he reads Shema uh, Enoyim Shemoa. Asr Tasri says all these parshos. We'll see Rashi expands on this to explain what he, what he, what, uh, the different parshas in Dvarm that he read. He's Chalol Aser, and then he reads the parsha of uh, when you finish taking Tumas and Maisras, talks about that. Uparsha Samelech, and he reads the Parsha Samelech, talks about putting a king. This is what we said, Agrippus was crying when he read this portion. Ubrochus Bekolos, and he reads the Brochus Bekolos that we talked about the other day, the Brochus and Kolos, which, uh, which is part of the Brisa, the Brisas, the covenants that Hashem made with Nasrall. Achikamar Kolo Parsha, until he finishes the entire Parsha that he has to read in Varam. Brochus Shekan Gadol Mavarech Osan. That we said after the on Yom Kippur, we learned that the, when the Kohen Gadol finishes uh, all the avoda and he says the various uh, various filos, he finishes with like a Shmonesrei sort of a davening, and uh, it says that eight brachas that he said. That's what he learned yesterday. That uh, after he reads the, the various parshas, he does the avoda and reads the various parshas in Vayikra, um, and then he reads the parsha in Pimchas. Then he says it's sort of like a, a Shmonasri at the end, which has eight brachas. So it says the same brachas that the Kohen Gadol does on Yom Kippur, a call of a call, uh, brachas, a Kohen Gadol, brachas on Hamelach, also brachas on. As the king says, the same eight brachas, with one exception. El Shinosin Shavagolim, Tachas, Michil Savin. Michil Savin is obviously apropos to Yom Kippur. Here he puts in the bracha of Regolim, Makadish Yisrael Vazman, he puts that bracha in instead of the Otherwise, the other brachas are the same that the Kohen Gadol does on Yom Kippur. So the Gemara first asks, what do you mean by Shmini? Sounds like on the eighth day of Sukkot, right? What do you mean by Shmini? Sakadaitach, can it mean that? We know it doesn't mean that. It says, Matsayam, we said, Matsayam to Brishan Shochai. Ema Bishminis, in the eighth year. Why does the Parsha go through all that detail? Right? The, the, the Parsha there talks about. After it makes a Shemitah and it says a Shemini, he goes through all these details. But Moe talks about the holiday. Why does it mention all these things? Why don't you just say, you know, beginning of the eighth year? Why can't it be all simple? If we would just say, you start counting from right now. Or Mikates, what's the Lushan in the, it says, yeah, Mikates, Shevashan, Bamoe. I mean, it's in Mikates, Shevashan, eight, seven years from now, meaning, when was this said? This was said before they came into Eretz Yisrael and Abbas Moab at the end of 40 years, the 40 years sojourn in the Midbar. So <clears throat> Hashem said to them, listen, at the end of seven years, the uh, you should have Hakel and the king should read from the Sefer Torah. So you might think you start from right now. Because they didn't start counting Shemitahs and Yovel until they were 14 years in Israel after they conquered the country for seven years and divided it up for seven years. So and only at that point did they start counting Shemitah. But if we just say Mikates, I might think, well, right now, you're about to come into Eretz Yisrael. Seven years from now, do it. So I might think that's what it means, because Rahman Shemitah, it says Shemitah's got to be after Shemitah. Because Rahman Shemitah, I mean, it was so Shemitah. I might think it's the end of the seventh year. The end of the seventh year Shemitah, or at the end of the year, right before Rosh Hashanah, 
That's when you do the cycle. Because Rahman Bamai, they only need the holiday. Because Ramad having in a Bereshasa. The first day of the year is also a holiday. It's called Rosh Hashanah. Everything there, because Rahmana Bachag Hasuka. So it says Chag Hasuka, so it's gotta be Chag because Rahmana Bachag Hasuka. Even the last day, Shmi Yetzirah is also considered part of Sukkot, because Rahmana Baboko Yisrael, when they all come to to Yushalayim, what does it mean? Maschalt the Demoy, the beginning Demoy. So that's why he has to tell, that's why the Pusik enumerates all these details. But it's got to be Shema It can't be at the end of seven years from right now, from your entry into Eretz Yisrael. It's got to be after a, set, after a Shemitah. And if there's a Shemitah, it's not the end of the Shemitah year, but it's rather in Yantif. And it's not Rosh Hashanah, it's Chag HaSukas. And it shouldn't, you shouldn't think it's the end of Chag HaSukas, which is Shemini Yatzeres, but rather it's when they first come in, the end of the first day of Sukkot. Now Rashi on here, before we actually turn the page, which we just did, um, Rashi says, take a look on Rashi, um, uh, Rashi in the wide lines, you know, from the in the first of the wide lines, is and you read there, In other words, he doesn't read the whole Sefer Dvarim. He also skips around. Mishamet say he first reads, um, he first reads the uh, beginning of Eil uh, Dvarim until Shema, which is Aschanan, and then Bayim Shemoa. Now Bayim Shemoa is in Eikev. Right, so after he reads Shema, which is in Baschanan, he skips Then he skips Aser Taser, Michael, which is where in Re'ei, right? The next, the next Sedra. Then he reads Kishala when you finish taking Meister, etc. Uvrachos Bekolos. Then he reads Bekolos, which is not exactly the order that we saw in the in the Mishnah. The the here the Rashi uh, differ, differs from the Rambam. And he holds that it's not exactly the order that was ri- written in the Mishnah. The Mishnah yeah, says all the things that he reads, but it's not necessarily in that order, right? Because it says, the Mishnah, we said um, that he reads uh, first, uh, then he reads, doesn't tell you exactly, <coughs> so the Mishnah doesn't say exactly the order. It says afterwards, does say the order, and then but Rashi turns it around. Rashi says, no, you read the brachas of clothes after Aser to Aser. So Rashi changes the order of the mission. He says, then you go back. Then he reads the parsha of Asim which is in Shoftim. Right? Now, what's the order for that? What's the reason for these parshas that he reads? Rashi says, Shema's Kabbalah's Malchus Shemaim, Kabbalah's Omach Shemaim. Vayim Shema's Kabbalah's Omitzvah, as we know, Kadavah Perkshin and Brachas. The Chaim Brachas of Clothes is also Kabbalah's Brisus, accepting the Brisus. That's Accepting the covenants, so that's all read together. Then he tells you, It's a time of gathering, Sukkot's time, when he's telling you to gather in all the harvest and give and give all the proper gifts that you're supposed to do. The AFLP, Rashi goes on in the fourth of the wide lines. Even though the Parsha Melech and Shoftim. Separates between Aser to Aser, which is in Re'ei, and Kishala. Where's Kishala, Michael? Is that in Kisaitse? I think so. Right? Koryas Eliyachet. He reads. He reads the uh, parsha uh, of uh, Aser to Aser and uh, Kishala together. Shalalahavsik Masters, because it's one Indian. It's Masters. Yachkach, and then he reads Parsha Melch. He goes back. In other words, even though we said normally you, you don't go back, you don't go back reverse order like we saw yesterday reading. Here he does go back. It's not a regular kriya, it's, it's a hakel. The imi shum diesh kan dilug betorah. 
are skipping around. If they we said yesterday that if you shouldn't skip so much so that the translator will stop, will finish his translation, and then there's a half sick. Even even though you you have that problem over here, he says, well, there's no targumen anyway. So unfortunately, explain what do you mean? There's no targumen anyway. If there's no if there's no translator anyway, then there's certainly a break, right? If he's skipping around. So unfortunately, explain like this that since there's no the king doesn't have a translator, the coin Godel does. When they regularly read laning every week, there's a translator, but the king doesn't have a translator. Therefore, there's always going to be a break when he's skipping from Parsha to Parsha, from Moschanan to Akif, from Akif to Eight. There's always going to be some sort of a break. So there's a break anyway. So it's not so bad if he jumps forward and then goes backward. Why? It's better to have all the inyanim of Trumas and Maestros, like Asr to Asr and Kisachala, all talking about Matanus Ladiyim and Trumas and Maestros, put that all together, and then go back and read Simal Aimech and read the Parsha again, even though there is a break, but there's going to be a break anyway. So there's a little break anyway, you can make a break this way. Right, that's what Rashi explained. That's important to understand the, the order, uh, the order here. All right, we're at the top of the days now. Again, the Shamas takes the Sefer Torah and gives it to the Gabbai. The same question we had yesterday by the Kohen Goro. If, if, uh, if you, you're taking out the Sefer Torah to give it eventually to the king, why are you giving it to these other people in between? Seems like you're giving kavod to a Talmud, even when there's somebody greater than him, his rabbi. Like we saw yesterday by the Kohen Gadol, it's all because of kavod for the king, by passing it on from one up the up the ladder. Shamas to Gabai, Gabai to Skan, Skan to Kohen Gadol, and then to the king. That's all honoring the king. The king accepts the Torah standing, and then he sits. Agrippus didn't sit down. And as he stood up and, and accepted the Torah, and then instead of sitting down, which, which a normal king, a Davidic king, would be able to, he stood. Omeg, so it says over here, Hamelech Omeg Umakabel, Bakara Yosheb. What do you mean, Omeg? Omeg Machal Yosheb, he's sitting. So what do you mean over here? Agrippus Hamelech Omeg stood up. That means he was sitting. Okay, he did when he read it. He not only, when he accepted the Torah, he stood up, and then when he read it, he actually stood up, as we'll see, which a Davidic king wouldn't have to. But over here, the fact that a group has stood up is mashed that he was sitting. The only ones who are allowed to sit in the Azara is the, the are Davidic kings, as we saw in the Pesach yesterday. Same Pesach He was allowed to. Hashem allowed him to sit. Hashem gave them that special, uh, uh, special, special, special what? Dispensation. Dispensation. Good word. Uh, special dispensation. He was allowed to sit. Why? As we saw yesterday, I said to show that there that his malchus was complete. That Hashem uh, agreed. Uh, that Hashem, uh, so to speak, uh, blessed his his um, his uh, dominion over the Jewish people. So that was a special case. And here, Agrippus was not from the Davidic dynasty. As Kedem Rav Chisla, like Chisla said before, by the Kohen Gadol, Bezras Nashim, that the Kohen Gadol also, where did he read? He read in this in the Ezra's Nashim. That's where he sat and got up. Uh, the same thing, Hachanai Bezras Nashim. Here we talk about he, he was in the Ezra's Nashim, Agrippus, when he sat, he wasn't in the Azar, he was in the Ezra's Nashim, which didn't have the same Kedusha as the Azar itself. Now, Agrippus Amelach was, if he, first of all, he was, if he was in the Ezra's Nashim, he could have sat also. Uh, when he read the Sefer Torah, uh, he was supposed to stand when he receives it. 
But when he read it, he could have he could have sat, and um, and he didn't. Uh, he stood up, and they and they uh, praised him. Shapchu Machal the shopper of it. Why why would he do that? In other words, the proper thing is okay. He was the king. He wasn't the Davidic king, and he wasn't allowed to sit in the Azar. But he didn't sit in the Azar. He was in the Azar Snashim, as we just said. So over here, uh, he, what did he do though? He said, even though I'm allowed to sit as the king when I read the Sefer Torah, right? I'm allowed to sit when I read the Sefer Torah because he was in the Ezra Snashim. He stood up anyway. Even if you hold that a Jewish ruler, either a ruler of a tribe or a ruler who wasn't actually a king or uh, a Rosh Sanhedrin was also called Nasi at, at, at the times when there wasn't the Melech, even if you hold that a Nasi is allowed to forego his honor, he's allowed to. Nasi he's allowed to forego. Melech A king is not allowed to forego his honor because it ruins the covenant of the king. It's ruins that he doesn't have the fear of the king. You should surely put yourself uh, put upon yourself a king. His fear, his awe should be upon you. In other words, you're not allowed to act like if you're if you're the um, if you're the monarch. You're supposed to put that crown on your head and uh, and act like a king, you know, not like a wimp, you know. You're not supposed to, I'm Michael, I'm Michael, I don't need anything. No, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to forego your honor because it's uh, it's diminishing the honor of uh, of the whole of the whole Jewish people if if the king's honor is uh, is diminished. So how was he allowed to stand when he should have shown that he was the king and sat since it wasn't in the answer? The answer is he's doing a mitzvah. Then the, the this honor is um, is ignored when when he when he's uh, he's doing a mitzvah you don't have to be concerned about his honor because the mitzvah takes more precedence and he wanted to do the mitzvah in the best way that he felt. When it came to the point of uh, when he read the parsha of the melech in Shoftim, where it talks about if you want to make a king make yourself king but don't make a king who is a foreigner a non-Jewish person. So it says over there that. Uh, uh, he started crying. Agrippa started crying because he felt he really wasn't a legitimate king. Uh, and they said, don't worry, you're our brother, you're our brother. That was considered flattery because he wasn't really their brother, even though technically he was Jewish because his mother was Jewish. But he also, uh, according to some, he was simply an Evet. There's a Shiloh whether uh, um, that uh, an, ev- an Evet or a Goy who lives with a Jewish woman, uh, we all the mice, I think that he's Jewish, but some say that he's still considered like an Evet. So Tanamish Vader of Nasan Bosha at that time, this Chaibusan Israel Kloya, the Jews deserved destruction because of the flattery. They flattered him, and flattery is false. Flattery is improper. From the time that the flattery became very strong, the cloth was right, people started flattering. This the judgments uh, were perverted, right? The uh, the judgment for Niskalko Amasim. Uh, conduct was totally t- t- deteriorated because everybody was lying and saying this is good, that's not good. And then it says not only flatteries, not only for others saying, oh, oh you did a nice job when you didn't do it, it's even for themselves. So there was no, there was no truth. It's like, oh, I did a great job. They liked him, yeah, they liked him, they liked him, but he wasn't really a legitimate, he wasn't a Davidic king, right? He wasn't really from, from the tribe. So once once uh, flattery became very strong among the Jewish people, so everything became perverted and destroyed. The conduct 
deteriorate. So people couldn't even say what I did is better than you did. What everybody did is it's all lies anyway. Rosh says, since they didn't uh, scold uh, the uh, the sinners, same people followed them. Everybody was over Averis because uh, they never, instead of telling a person who did wrong, you did wrong, they said, no, you did good. So good and good and bad became one of the same. You're allowed to flatter uh, evildoers, the wicked, in this world. They won't call the vile person anymore. In other words, they won't anymore call the vile person a generous person. They will not call, guy who wants to drink all the time, drink wine, he's a glutton. Uh, they won't call him anymore a noble person. They won't call him, but in this world, they do call him that. You can call it, even a person who's vile and disgusting, you can call him, oh, he's a lovely person, he's generous, he's a noble person. You're allowed to. So he learned, not like, you know, he's obviously, this contradicts what we just said before. We said before that from the time that flattery became uh, very predominant, so everything is deteriorated. Everything is perverted. There's no, there's no right and wrong. Uh, but Rav Shemipasi says it's, you're allowed to, you're allowed to flatter Rishon in this world, because in the next world there won't be any more. It's in this world it's okay. It says Kiros What did Yaakov tell Esav? Oh, he was trying to be nice to me. He was trying to pacify him so that he wouldn't kill him. So he said, oh. When I see uh, your face, it's like I see the face of an angel or of God, and you were nice to me. Uh, so Smashma, he flattered Asa. Uh, so Smashma, from these things that uh, you're allowed to flatter a sham in this world. We get Rav Levi. This disagrees with Rav Levi. Levi doesn't know you're allowed to, and he learns that whole story differently. Dumb Rav Levi. With this dialogue between uh, Yaakov and Asa, that Yaakov apparently flattered Asa. He said, oh, you look like you. It's like seeing a me- uh, uh, an angel of God, what's a compromise? Reuben invited Shimon over to eat. When Shimon started eating there, he saw that Reuben was really entrapping him, that he wanted to kill him. So Omar, Omarlo, so Shimon to try to defend himself, Omarlo, Tom Tom. You know, this uh, chicken over here that I'm eating of yours, this tastes like the, uh, that the, uh, like the chicken I ate over at Buckingham Palace that I ate over at the uh, King's house. It's to show him that I'm, uh, I'm Karl Lamalchus, you know, I'm, I'm a friend of the King. So uh, Omar, uh, so therefore when Ruben heard that, Yadalei Malko, he knows the, he knows the King, the King knows him, the Mal- King knows him. Mustafa Belakotli said it in order not to kill him. In other words, the reason he said that is that, you know, I'm friendly with God, is if to say that, uh, you know, don't fool around with me, you're gonna be in trouble. So that's what he said over here too. He wasn't trying to flatter Asaph. He was trying to hint to him that, you know, that he has powerful friends and he shouldn't kill him. Amr Abelazar, whoever has flattery, maybe Aflo, and brings anger to the world, Shnemar. Those who are flatter, flatter of the, flattery of the heart will, will bring or will cause anger. His prayers will not be heard, Shnemar. When he, when he's, when they're suffering, they're, they're, uh, they will not cry out because they're crying out won't help. 
Rashi says, Their crying won't help out, so they won't cry. It won't cry because it won't help for them. So you see here, even though there were opinions, it seems that the more predominant opinion is that flattery is a terrible thing. And even if you flatter a shum, it's obviously maybe only to save yourself. You're trying to, uh, you know, you're trying to keep them from harming you. Whoever has flattery in him, whoever uh, speaks flattery, even unborn fetuses, so curse him. Be a curse of person who speaks flattery. He tells a Russian, you are a righteous person. Amen. The nations will curse him. Yizamu lumen, and Yizamu lumen. The nations will be angry at him. The ain kovel akol. Akol refers to a curse. Shemar lo kavo, lo kavo kel. Who said that? Bilam, right? He says what? Ma kovel lo kavo. When I want to curse, God doesn't want to curse. So Yibu ama means cursing, right? Amal Russia sadakata. If you say, if you tell to if you say a Russia, you are righteous. You're flattering him. That person who does the flattery, the flatterer, will be cursed by the nation because the bu amin means it's like the lashon of lo kavo lo kavo kel bein laom ella ubrin laom, which means nations, also means fetuses. Shemar ulaom laom yamatz. Right when when Rivka had the twins inside Yaakov and Esav, right? What did Hashem tell them? Laom laom of one nation will be stronger than the other, referring to fetuses. So even fetuses will curse. A flatterer. Whoever has flattery in him, no began will fall into hell. Woe to those who say that bad is good. They mix up good and bad, bad and good. That's the flatterer. Therefore, just like straw is uh, is burned up by the tongue of fire. And uh, and shaft is also consumed by a flames, just like it's easy for fire to consume, you know, dry straw and stubble. Uh, the same way, he will also be destroyed and will go and will go to Gehenna. Uh, whoever flatters somebody else, sof nofobiado, you flatter him in order, what maybe to protect yourself if he's going to harm you. But at the end, you'll fall into his hands. It's not going to help you to. Uh, to flatter him at the end, you'll fall into his hands. The main enough will be if you don't fall into his hands, you'll fall into the hands of his sons, of the of the flattery. The if you don't fall into the son's hands, you'll fall into the great into the grandson's hands. In other words, if you flatter somebody, you will eventually fall prey to them, if not them, their sons, if not them, their grandchildren. Hananya had given false prophecy, bad guy. He said, Nebu Sheker, I'll go to Hanania and said, it's all going to be over soon. And uh, Yirmiya said to Hanania, Amen, Kain, Yes, Hashem. So Shashem, Yakum Hashem, Esmerach, Hashem should fulfill your words. Now, normally, if that would be a prayer, oh, it's like Halabai, Halabai, which the Gula should come soon, that wouldn't be so bad. But the way he said it, he said it as flattery. And instead of admonishing him and saying, Where did you get that prophecy from? It's faith. So he flattered, Yirmiya flattered Hanania. If it says afterwards, Vayihi, Hu Bishar Yaman. Later on, uh, afterwards, after several days, Yirmiya was leaving Yerushalayim to go to Eretz Binyamin, and he came to the gate of Binyamin to divide up a, uh, a nachla that he had received. And Vayihi, Hu Bishar Binyamin, Bisham Balpkudos, and there was an officer there, an officer of the district, Ushmo, and what his name was, 
Yiria, his name was Yiria ben Shalamaya ben Hananya. He was the grandson of Hananya. That's what we're talking about over here. Hananya was the one that Yirmiya had flattered. And we said that if you flatter somebody, you'll fall into his hands. If not his hands, his sons. If not his, his grandsons. Well, Yiria was the grandson of Hananya. He grabbed him. You're going to fall into the hands of the Kasdim. Not true. Not the Pacific. After it says, Vayispos as to the officers. So as you'll fall into the hands. So not a good idea. Even great people like Yermia also committed flattery and they were punished for that. And that's when flattery is definitely not a good thing. Any congregation, any people that has flattery, is as repulsive as a uh, menstruate woman. Shemar. Because the uh, congregation of flattery is Galmud. Now, what does Galmud mean? She came in the uh, overseas uh, cities, they call Nida Galmuda, because Galmuda, my Galmud, what does it mean? Gamula Mibala, she's separated from her husband. So Galmuda means like a Russian of separated, somebody who is like, uh, so to speak, ostracized. So Kiaz Galmud will be separated. Be separated and ostracized. So that's the idea here that whoever a, a congregation that has uh, uh, that has flattery is as repulsive as a nida and will be uh, ostracized. Any congregation that has chanufa, lusof gola will go into exile at the end. says says the nation, the congregation that um, uh, that uh, has flattery is galmud. As we said, that's the very the Amarto Bulvavcha, they will say in your heart, Mi Allah Who gave birth, who gave me these children? I am bereaved of the Galmuda and I'm separated. Gola exiled the Suran wandering. So you see that not only will a person, will the people who flatter be separated from the congregation, be ostracized, but they'll also go into, into exile. There are four groups. Of kinds of people that will never uh, will never uh, encounter the countenance of Hashem. They will not be to see the uh, salvation of Hashem. One is consulates and number one, talking about people who are cynics, people who make fun of everything. Uh, and the group, the, the class of, of flatterers, those who lie, shakranim is it should be the Gersa. Uh, those who slander others, those who speak Lashon Hara, evil tongue. Uh, how do we know? It's all based on Pesukim. But if it says, you know, Hashem drew his hand away from the from the uh, cynics. He takes away his hand, so they will never become Hashem. Hashem doesn't want to see them. from the class of flatterers. The Siv ki lo chanaf yavo. A flatterer will not come before God. Hashem, Hashem doesn't want to be near him. Kachgarim, those who lie. The class of Adar Sivit says, Dober Shgarim, those who speak falsehoods, they will not dwell before me. So again, God will separate himself and not have any of these people there. Kant Mesapra Lashon Hara, the group of people who speak Lashon Hara, the Pasuk says, Ki lo el chafetz resha ata, you are not a God who wants evil. Lo yigur chara, Raw will not dwell with you. And that's the Pusik. And the Drush is Sadakatashem, you are righteous, Lo Yagur Bamugur Khara. 
if you are righteous in your dwelling place, in your abode, there can't be any evil. And Rashi tells us, the last Rashi in the parak, lo yogur im evil cannot uh, dwell with you. The God Mesapar Lashnark said, speaking about Lashnark, the Sif Bahu Parsha, he ain't the field Nechona. And in his mouth, there's nothing correct. And it's speaking about people who speak falsely, Hashem will not, uh, will not uh, have them in his abode. So we see that all these four groups of people, whether they're cynics or flatterers or liars or people who slander others, and Lashnar could be, he says, Shakranim. Shakranim is one, Lashnar is another thing. Lashnara is usually the truth, right? If it's a lie, it's a lie. Lashnar is generally referring to speaking the truth, even if it's the truth. If it's, if it's a lie, that's a lie. Uh, it's the truth, but you shouldn't be speaking about other people at the period. All those kinds of people will not dwell with Hashem. Now, the last, uh, uh, tomorrow mission will start the parak in Shuch Muhammad, and the last parak is Egla Rufa. As we'll finish mission a week from tomorrow, we finish the Masechet, and Shuch Muhammad, all this, and Egla Rufa, these, program, these the last two program are really continuations of the first mission back on Lamed Bays in this parak, because there we talked about things that you could say only in uh, only things that you could say in the vernacular and things that must be said in Lashon HaKodesh. And we talked about Bikurim, Chalitza, Baruch Zippos, Berenz Karim, Berenz Karim, Yesterday we had Berenz Karim, today we had Berenz HaMelech, and then Parshas Tegla Rufa and Meshuch Mohamah, right? So it says Parshas Tegla Rufa and Meshuch Mohamah, but the order in our in our Masechet is that Meshuch Mohamah comes first. In other words, this is really a continuation of our parak, even though this is a separate parak, the eighth and ninth program are listed separately in the Masechah, but they're really continuation from the Mishnah of, of the seventh parak, the, the Mishnah of the seventh parak, which talks about what are the things that have to be said in Hebrew, Parshat and Meshach Muhammad. Okay, and then he goes on to explain what they are. So he explained the other ones. Now we have a, se- a separate parak that explains Meshach Muhammad, and then we'll have the last parak explaining Agla Rufa, and that will complete the Masechah Meretz Hashem. So get your tomorrow getting ready, which will begin in Meretz Hashem a week from tomorrow. Okay, have a good day, everybody.